Chapter Thirty Five of Ned Franks or the Christian's Panoply. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Workhouse. Oh, I am so glad, so thankful to have you with me, cried Nora, as after leaving the coach she walked with Persis Mead up the road which led to the workhouse of B. It is not only that I should have been afraid that I could not have come without a companion, but you know, Nora dropped her voice and spoke in a hesitating tone, you know poor Sophie may want someone to give comfort to her, religious comfort, I mean, and to tell her all the things that you used to tell me on Sunday before I went into service. I never could speak of religion to Sophie. I am often so grieved and ashamed when I think how much we were together, and there was never, never a word said that could help her to heaven. All such foolish talk, sighed Nora. Once I had resolved to say something. It was after my Uncle Ned had shown me how dishonest it was for us to feast together in the kitchen at my mistress's expense. Oh, how I had turned the matter over and over in my mind, and thought of reasons to give, and found texts. But as soon as I saw Sophie's laughing eyes and heard her merry voice, all that I had prepared seemed at once to go out of my head. I could scarcely utter a word. I find it so dreadfully hard to speak about religion to those who don't feel as I do. Yes, it is very hard indeed, said Persis. Do you think it so? exclaimed Nora, with surprise and something like pleasure. I fancied that was only the case with stupid little cowards like me. To speak of the blessed Saviour to one of my own age and position, who was not likely to feel on such a subject like myself, is to me an effort which I dare never undertake without secret prayer. It is very different, continued Persis Mead, from teaching a Bible class on Sundays, where one sees oneself surrounded by dear little pupils. I have often, like you, dear Nora, bitterly reproached myself for silence from the fear of men that bringeth a snare. By this time Persis and Nora had reached the door of that great brick building, which to the younger, perhaps to both, appeared such a formidable place. Nora's heart beat faster as the stout porter gave them admittance, and she followed Persis into a paved courtyard surrounded by buildings in which, in their pauper dresses, several of the inmates were lounging about in the sunshine, talking to the friends who at that special time had permission to come and see them. Persis courteously addressed an old woman, and asked her if she happened to know where they could find Sophie Puller. "'Sophie Puller,' echoed the woman, "'that's the girl as has cried herself blind. Why, she's of our ward, number five. You can see the number there on yon door.' and she pointed across the courtyard. "'Let's come to her quickly,' said Nora, drawing on her companion with nervous haste. The little maid was relieved at having found her friend with so much less difficulty than she had expected, and was anxious to escape out of the yard, where there were too many strangers to let her feel at her ease, especially as some of them stared at her as she passed. Purses tapped softly at the dark green door on which was painted the number five, then lifted the latch and it entered, for the first time, a ward in a workhouse. The room was whitewashed, 
perfectly clean and neat and a fire that burned brightly gave to it a certain look of comfort there were six beds perfectly alike three on the right hand three on the left a deal table between with some medicine bottles upon it there were but two inmates in the ward when the visitors entered an old bedridden woman lying asleep in the farthest corner and sophie puller who dressed in the workhouse garb of striped white and blue print was seated on a bed near the door nora peel was shocked to see the change which a few months had wrought in her once gay young companion could this be she who used to walk down the street with so jaunty a step and so flaunting an air with pink roses in her bonnet and flounces on her wide-spreading dress could this pale drooping girl with her thin fingers clenched together and her pinched features rigid with unutterable woe be the gay giddy creature who had laughed at care and only lived for pleasure could this blind sickly pauper be the same as the milliner's lively young girl whose ambition was to be thought a lady to attract notice and win admiration oh sophie my poor sophie exclaimed nora bursting into tears as she ran up to her unhappy friend and threw her arms around her sophie puller shed no tear though her bosom heaved with sob-like gasps as she returned nora's embrace the poor girl could not speak for several moments and then she faltered forth in a broken voice it is so kind so like you nora to come and see me here then suddenly drawing herself back from nora with a passionate gesture of anguish the unhappy sophie exclaimed oh if you but knew my misery the darkness here everywhere no hope no hope she threw herself down on her bed and covered her face with her hands nora could not reply she was weeping but soft and low sounded the voice of persis repeating one verse from the psalm why art thou cast down o my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope then in god for i shall yet praise him who was the health of my countenance and my god who is that speaking asked sophie hastily but without withdrawing her hands my friend miss meade i have spoken to you of her she was my sunday class teacher replied nora she need not come here speaking of hope to me i've none never will have cried sophie speaking rapidly and in a tone of despair i know all she can say i was at school once i was confirmed i cared nothing for that at the time but i remember well enough now what was said to me then such thoughts come I can't keep them out to make me more wretched in the darkness sophie started up again to her former position and her dimmed eyes seemed staring wildly into vacancy as she went on rather as if muttering to herself than as if addressing her companions i was told of two paths one narrow and leading to heaven the other broad and leading to destruction i took the broad and now tis too late to return i chose mirth and folly i chose selfishness and sin i turned my back upon all that i knew to be right i led others astray 
I forgot my God. And now there's but one text in all the Bible that I can recall to mind, and it haunts me night and day. And in a tone that thrilled through the listeners, Sophie repeated the Savior's most solemn question. What is a man profited? if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul persis saw that the miserable sophie was at that moment in too excited a state to receive religious instruction the gentle sympathizing woman could only silently pray for wisdom to be given to herself that she might direct the sufferer to the one hope provided for sinners and that grace might be given to Sophie, so that her bitter remorse might be changed into true repentance. Nora was the first to break silence, seating herself on the bed close to Sophie, and taking her hand tenderly between both of her own, she said, Tell me, if it will not make you more sad, something of what has happened since you and I last saw each other on that night in September. The sudden turn in the conversation roused Sophie from her despair. Painful as were her recollections, it was a relief to her to pour out her sorrows into a sympathizing ear, and even the past, sad as it was, appeared less gloomy than the present, less terrible than the future. Persis quietly seated herself on the bed next to Sophie's, and it is probable that the poor girl altogether forgot the presence of the stranger as leaning her head on nora's shoulder she began her tale of woe End of chapter thirty five